Hello and welcome to A History of Hannibal, episode 51, The Battle of Rome. In March 211, the two new consuls came to power. Appius Claudius and Fulvius stepped down from office to be replaced with Gnaeus Fulvius Centumalus and Publius Sulpicius Galba. They began their year as consuls by holding a meeting of the Senate to discuss the war. Several times already, we've seen this happen. The first and most pressing issue was Capua. If you'll recall the end of last week, the Romans had just put Capua under siege and were determined to retake it. Capua was the thing dominating all their thoughts. It would go some way towards healing the wounds of Cannae and would be a major step in the turning of the war in their favour. It was decided that they would keep the situation as it was. Fulvius and Claudius in command. Command was extended for the Praetors too. Junius in Etruria, Sempronius in the Po Valley, Marcellus in Sicily, though the other commander in Sicily, Publius Cornelius, was replaced by Sulpicius, with a force made up of the remnants of the units Hannibal had defeated in Apulia last year, commanded by Gnaeus Fulvius. The troops were in disgrace for their behaviour, and Fulvius was heavily criticised by the Senate upon his return to Rome, eventually being forced into exile. The treatment of Fulvius is quite striking, particularly when you compare it to Varro. Varro had been crushed at Cannae, but he was allowed to maintain a command and served Rome well, quite contrary to being threatened with the death penalty, as Gnaeus Fulvius was. Cornelius was moved to Sardinia to replace Mucius, and Octocilius maintained his command of the Sicilian fleet, and Valerius the seaboard of Greece. The main debate over command was what to do in Spain, I'll leave that story until we return to Spain, which will be very soon. Over in Capua, things were going well for Rome. They tried assaulting it a few times, which didn't work, but the siege was going as planned. Capua was starving, and the city was so closely guarded that the Campanians couldn't get word to Hannibal of how dire the situation was though eventually a Numidian managed to slip through the Roman lines at night. This promised hope of a general escape, while they could still muster the energy, but their hopes were dashed after a skirmish. I'm hesitant to call it a battle. The Campanians specialised in cavalry. This was their strength, and they knew the Romans would beat them in an infantry battle. The Romans knew this too, so... They had a trick which reminds me of the Corvus from the First Punic War. Their cavalry would charge, but then quickly dismount and throw a barrage of lances. It caught the enemy completely off guard and proved very effective. Players of Rome Total War will know how poorly infantry stand up to a cavalry charge, but missiles are a very effective way of dealing with them. Speaking of which... Who else is excited for Rome Total War 2? The game looks incredible, 
and the Rome's Greatest Enemy trailer is one of the best I've ever seen. You know it's going to be Hannibal, but you still get the chills when they say the name Hannibal Barker. It really captures the outlandishness of crossing the Alps and... and... uh, and I'm getting sidetracked. Stay focused, Jamie. Stay focused. When word arrived that things were going badly in Capua, Hannibal had a choice to make. Go back to Capua, or continue trying to take the citadel at Tarentum. He chose Capua. It would send a poor message to future allies if he was willing to sacrifice them for the next pretty young city to catch his eye. He left his baggage and heavy armaments in Brutium and moved north to Capua with a select force as to cover the journey quickly, though this was countered by the 33 elephants he brought along. He set up his base in a nearby valley, out of sight of the Romans. He managed to get word into the city of when he was going to make his assault, and when he attacked the Roman force from the back, Hanno and Bostar launched an assault from within the city. The consuls split responsibilities. Appius dealt with those coming out of Capua, while Fulvius dealt with Hannibal. Nero, who you'll recall was also there, was in command of the cavalry, while Gaius Fulvius Flaccus commanded the allied cavalry. Appius fared well. Fulvius had more trouble with Hannibal, though at one moment the 6th Legion began to struggle just as a group of Spaniards broke out of the city. Fulvius ordered a centurion, Quintus Narius, who had earlier developed the quick dismounting cavalry tactic, to deal with the situation, and he was able to cut down the Spaniards quickly. Soon, the whole Carthaginian and Campanian force was being pushed back, though they were unable to take the city. The gates were well defended with catapults and scorpions, so the Romans were unable to break through. When I say scorpions, I of course don't mean the animal. A scorpion could be described as a mini catapult, or a mounted crossbow. It fired bolts at a very high speed. If you want to know more about them, they are in Rome Total War. If you build up the archery side of your building tree, you'll soon be able to see them, and I'm getting off topic again. The other reason the Romans called off their pursuit was that Appius Claudius was wounded. Perhaps the most important event was on Hannibal's side of things. When he saw the Spaniards being killed, he began to pull back. The Romans didn't pursue. One has to partly speculate this was because you simply couldn't trust Hannibal, but it also showed Hannibal abandoning Capua. This, coupled with the loss of numbers for the Carthaginians, 8,000, and the Campanians, 3,000, and that the siege was not broken, made it a very good day for hashtag Team Rome. Hannibal realised that the situation was hopeless. Standing outside Capua would practically do no good. He would be a sitting duck, waiting for the new consuls to arrive and cut off his supplies. This was when Hannibal had the idea to march on Rome. This can seem like a desperate throw of the dice, but if you think about it, 
it wasn't. Sure, Canai was a golden opportunity to march on Rome. It was discussed at length in episode 35. Rome was in a state of panic in 216, and perhaps he could have used that opportunity to take the city in the panic. In the conventional story, it is easy to say that from this moment, Rome regained confidence and the war turned in her favour, ever increasing until she won. But that ignores so much of the story. Over the past few episodes, we've discussed several huge defeats to Roman forces, with a combined loss of manpower which was almost equal to Canai, if it didn't surpass it. There had been frequent panics in Rome, where the Senate had to take action to calm things down. Hannibal, still, was someone who a great many Romans feared. Surely, with the huge Roman losses of 212, and his own ability to terrify Romans, a sudden assault on Rome could prove beneficial. He didn't need to take Rome, he just needed to create enough panic to distract the Romans from Capua. If he could capture a section of Rome in the chaos, the legions would come racing back home, then Capua would be safe, it could be resupplied, and he could be back where he wanted to be, in Tarentum, capturing the citadel. The only possible problem was that it could reinforce the feeling of abandonment, which was poisoning the atmosphere of Capua. To prevent this, he managed to pay a Numidian to go back into the city, and deliver a letter explaining what he was doing. They shouldn't panic, this was all in their best interests. Hannibal began his march, but the Romans managed to catch word of what was going on, and sent word to the Senate. The news caused immediate alarm. Publius Scipio, not to be confused with the Publius Scipio of Spain, argued that Rome should abandon Capua and all their other pursuits. Every available army should be moved to defend the mother city. This was exactly the reaction that Hannibal was looking for. Had Scipio been able to carry the day, then Hannibal's plan would have worked. But there were calmer heads. Hannibal needed those able to keep things in perspective, and who understood what he was doing, to be silenced. But they were not. Fabius Maximus was able to bring the senators to their senses. Hannibal hadn't attacked after Canai, so why now? Obviously to distract them from Capua. Hannibal was too smart for this to be a serious attack. Rome was too heavily defended. It must just be a decoy, and they should not fall for it. Those stationed in Rome would be enough to defend Rome, and the gods would help too. This didn't calm down most senators. The idea of Hannibal marching on Rome was a terrifying prospect, and they weren't willing to risk their city on the possibility Hannibal wasn't serious. A compromise between these two views was reached. Hannibal was marching along the Via Latina, so a warning was sent to the towns along the Via Appia to bring supplies within their walls, while the proconsul Fulvius was to return to Rome with 15,000 infantry and 1,000 cavalry. 
Hannibal marched towards Rome, ravaging the countryside as he went, when word that he was almost upon Rome reached the general population. The city panicked. The rumour mill began whirling, as facts and fiction mixed, spreading through a Rome in complete turmoil, while the Senate tried to keep some semblance of order. Hannibal moved closer and closer, Fulvius hot on his heels. Hannibal encamped eight miles from Rome, while Fulvius marched into the city. The Romans discussed how best to defend it, with the consuls taking positions by the Coline and Esquiline gates. Hannibal moved closer up to the river Anio, three miles from Rome. A force of 2,000 cavalry marched up to the Coline gate to inspect the defences. This makes it seem as though they were just outside of Rome, but Rome was already beginning to expand beyond its gates. While not the centre, the Carthaginians were certainly in Rome's suburbs. Such a thing could not be allowed to go unpunished. Fulvius sent out a force of 1,200 Numidian deserters to fight them, thinking such troops would be excellent in the streets. This caused confusion, as when they were spotted on the Aventine, it was thought that the hill had fallen to the Carthaginians. Despite the panic, the Romans got the better of the conflict. But the panic was a real problem. The Senate gave full military authority to any man who had previously been dictator, consul, or censor, until the Carthaginians withdrew. The next day, Hannibal crossed the Anio himself, with his army, and deployed them for battle. Fulvius met the challenge. As the Battle of Rome looked set to get underway, the heavens opened. The sudden downpour of rain and hail drove back both sides to their camps in confusion. This was repeated the next day, and once they returned to their camp, the skies cleared. Hannibal was discouraged at twice missing his opportunity to take Rome. This, along with some minor incidents, persuaded him to move to Tutia, six miles from Rome. Hannibal had come so close to taking Rome, just one battle away from possibly winning the war. But the moment had passed. He soon left, moving south into Brutium in hope of catching Regium off guard. Things were very grim in Capua. The Campanian aristocrats were scared of being in a public space and hid in their homes, while Boscar and Hanno tried their best to hold on. The resentment towards Carthage and towards Hannibal was causing trouble, not only with the Campanians, but among the Carthaginian garrison too. Hannibal was in Brutium, it was said because he couldn't bear to see Capua fall with his own eyes. In short, they were doomed. They had been abandoned by their great general, whom they followed over the Alps. During those rough few weeks, marching between Gauls and snowdrifts, I doubt they expected to be abandoned by Hannibal in Capua. 
All the while, the Romans had managed to fend off an attack on their capital without really affecting the siege. They wrote to Hannibal, and several Numidians offered to take the letter to Hannibal by pretending to be deserters. But they were caught, along with a number of Numidians in the Roman camp, also pretending to be deserters. Seventy were captured, their hands were chopped off, and they were sent back to Capua. This broke the city. The Capuans, sick and tired of their aristocrats hiding, dragged them out into the streets. Some warned that Rome's punishment would be brutal, but accounts of Rome's clemency made this seem unlikely. They were sick of the siege. Rome's brutal determination had been shown. A sheer obstinacy that saw them continue after Canai did not move them when their city was in danger. Those who had led the revolt took poison. It was now in 211, five years after Canai, and their secession back in episode 41, that Capua surrendered to Rome. A legion marched into the city, and all weapons were collected. The Carthaginian garrison and Capuan senators were taken prisoner. Their gold was seized. Claudius urged a lenient approach, while Fulvius wanted harsh treatment. Claudius sent a letter to Rome, while Fulvius decided to execute the senators. A reply came in the middle of the beheadings, but Fulvius did not open the letter until all had been executed. It has been suspected by some that Fulvius acted this way because Claudius was already dead, dying of his wounds he received earlier. If this was not the case, then Claudius would die soon anyway. Fulvius got to work and took a number of companion towns. Seventy senators were killed, 300 were taken prisoner, and the rest of the citizenry were sold into slavery. Some argued that Capua should be destroyed, but it was said that this would be a waste. It was repopulated with friendly citizens, but its political structure was completely removed. The recapture of Capua is one of the huge moments of the war, certainly on par with the great battles we've seen earlier. It showed the power of Rome and the helplessness of Hannibal, and it set the scene for the final years of the war, which will see Hannibal's position completely collapse. If you think back to episode 1, this point is my second marker for the war, the first being Canai. This means we will leave Italy to cover the rest of the war, just as we did in episodes 36 and 37. If you've enjoyed today's episode, check us out online, thehistoryofpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash thehistoryofpodcast, twitter.com forward slash thehistoryofpod, youtube.com forward slash thehistoryofpodcast, thehistoryofpodcast at gmail.com, and of course, the History Podcasting Fantasy Football League. There will be no episode next week, as next Sunday I shall be in Rome. But I'll see you in two weeks, when we get into what the Scipio brothers have been doing in Spain. <laughs>